Hey kids, you're listening to the internet's wettest podcast about video games, consoles, and pancakes. The SML Podcast. Oh, oh, rip off my That's how situated. I feel, too. It's just, I'm so tired today. Yo, well, we're I, feeling it. I am, because, like, my kid has cycled back to waking up earlier than he fucking needs to. Uh, and yeah. it's just sucked to pay. He just, he's been waking up before six. And, like... That is not cool. No. And, like, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, he, like... Like slammed his door. Sh- that actually might have been on the weekend. Like he closed the room door to his bedroom, but he like slammed it, so it like jostled me awake. And then he like went downstairs and turned on like every light, and so that like disturbs the dogs. And then they come wake me up, and then you know just breakfast. Then right? Just, well, they they got to go outside. I don't want them peeing. No, thank you. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's annoying. <laughs> It's really annoying because, like, before Magfest, he was sleeping pretty heavily, uh, and now he's not. So that's why I'm a little teepy. <laughs> Chris but. and I don't have a reason. We came on, we're like, man, I'm so sleepy. <laughs> and Joe came on, he's sleepy. Now you. <laughs> All the soldiers are falling. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll make it forward. through together, though. <laughs> I'm not worried Just about my it. Work. Just close like, my work laptop. It's over. In like five minutes, when Pernell gets. Excuse me. How was that when he's getting here? It said 9.05 to 9.10. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. I don't know if y'all wanted to start the show without him and then introduce him as he joins, or if you just (laughs) want to wait for him and start. I don't give a shit. You're in charge. I'm down either way. I just don't know how tired everyone is. Well, I'm not going to get less tired as time wears on. True. (laughs) At some point, I'm going to quietly duck away and because uh, dinner is cooking. So okay, sweet. Yeah. But you know, I'll make sure I'm there for my uh, reviews. But if I'm muted, then and you try to call out to me and I don't answer, then that's on you. And speaking <laughs> of food, our first review game for tonight is Turnip Boy, a review by Tim. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I'm just closing my work wow. laptop, looking at our lineup here. This is cool. Brooke's ready to get this over and done with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm excited for the chat part because I didn't want to chat with Tim about Tears of the Kingdom, although he pretty much knows where I'm at. I said this like a month I ago. I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's hard I, to I, talk I, about a certain point in that game. Like once you get closer to the end without like, I don't want to over, over, over speak, over share. I think I am. I talked to you before the weekend. I now have the Master Sword. That's no spoiler. We get the Master nice. Sword in each of these games. Awesome. Uh, yeah, but so what you did I, it is is hot shit. Yeah, that yeah. was so freaking cool. Oh my yeah, god! I mostly just wanted to scream at you. That's that's all I wanted to do tonight. I just wanted to scream at Tim about how cool that <laughs> yeah, was. Right. I was. Well, like, we got to oh save it then. It was really neat. <laughs> Wait, no, nah, this game's really freaking cool. I can't believe like I loved Breath of the Wild. Uh, I can't believe how much more I like this game. This has got to be one of the strongest sequels of all time. Yeah. For any it, game. 
it's and you and you wouldn't think that they'd be able, they would have pulled it off. Like I was yeah. like kind of like ah whatever. And then I saw the abilities and I'm like, oh, those those will probably be fun. And then like I started playing the game and I was kind of like, well, this is fine. And then at a certain point, it was just like, holy, yeah, <laughs> like what is going on? I've had so much fun, and I think I've had as much fun as I have had in Elden Ring. And I couldn't say that about Breath of the Wild, but Tears of the yeah. Kingdom, like I really, I mean, they're completely different games, but I really have lived in here. Um, and what's funny is I think the last time you were on the show, Tim, like was when I made myself restart Breath of the Wild because I hadn't played it since 2018. I couldn't remember how to fight. My friend I didn't remember it. you. I didn't know you. Yeah. I didn't realize you had restarted it. I, I did restart it that weekend, actually, and it was funny. I think the last time you were on, I think this was your last show, uh, you were like, oh, man, everybody just bought Tears of the Kingdom and all my friends list. I've never seen them so united. Everybody's playing. And then Brooke sneaks in here. She's playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. What? <laughs> Why are you playing that? Uh, so I got through. It took me like close to 300 hours to finish it too because it's hard for me um yeah so i'm finally i think i'm like a year behind everybody in tears of the kingdom but i i'm really glad i made myself finish breath of the wild but that's okay i'm i'm a year behind you i haven't even bought it yet (laughs) you're not for myself i really want to hear how you feel about it when you when you do play it you got to follow up with me when you try it Man, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> I thought but. if I, I was like, if it's just a fraction as good as Breath of the Wild was for me, I'll be happy. I'm going into it expecting like nothing. I'm not gonna expect it to be as good. And then as soon as we come across the first gotcha machine in the game, I just start cackling because I just love that um, Genshin Impact took Breath of the Wild, ripped it off so cleanly and made just put gotcha machines and gotchas in it. And then Zelda just took it back and we're like, okay, well, we'll put actual literal gotcha machines in our game <laughs> and it'll be really magical. It'll be seamless. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just thought that was so amazing. <laughs> I feel like the only one who couldn't get into Tears of the Kingdom. You were telling me, yeah, yeah like all weren't. the crafting and the building, and like I—that's a big reason I can't get into Pal World—is there's a lot of crafting and survival elements, and I just I don't want that. I just want to play a game. I feel that I do like crafty and survival stuff, but I'm really picky about it. In the first, like at first, I was overwhelmed to Tears of the Kingdom, and I was like, oh man, they're trying to add all this extra shit to Breath of the Wild, it's so forced. And then like ten hours later, I'm. I'm messaging Tim. I think I sent you like a, a video of me trying to complete a shrine and you're like, yeah, that's not going to work that way, but I'm really glad you're having a good time with this. <laughs> uh, it was a really high ceiling for me. It was really hard for me to get used to. And I can't say I still am, but it was tough. I can, I can definitely identify with that. Anyone gotten sucked into power world? I'm going to try no, it this weekend. I don't have time for it. Well, I mean, I have, I just, I don't think I really, I don't, I don't got time for that. I got to try it because Carrie's losing his mind over it. And before he gets too far in the game, I kind of want to experience it as roughly the same time as him. So I'm going to finally play it this weekend. I was waiting until I saw some of those bugs die down where people are like, I lost my save or like they couldn't even uh, rescue an old save. Uh, So it seems like that's mostly worked out now. I have friends that are playing it. It's just like, I just, I don't know. It's like immediately Adam's like, I have... (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's playing it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just... I don't know. Those types of games... It's like, you know, I want to play those games with people, but the people I will play them with play them way more than me. So then it's like, when I start, they're like... I'm getting... And I hate... I hate that. I hate them being like... I mean, I don't hate my friends, but it's just like... They want to get you caught up to them as quickly as yeah. possible. So you're just kind of bum rushing through the early game and you don't know really... It's just kind of like, okay, go here, do this. And then, like, here's a bunch of shit. And... 
uh, now go do this. And you, and you just don't really get a good grasp of what's going on. And like, I, I enjoy going through that progression of like fumbling around in the Me dark. Too. So like it's, it's tough. Like when we, when I got into Valheim, it was tough because my friends had already played quite a bit. So they're like off yeah, doing same. this and crafting these items. And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell's going on. They're like, okay, come over here. We're going to fight a deer. And I'm like, all right. Uh, <laughs> like just took me a while to get a, a grasp of just, what was even happening in that game and i I, i'll probably try pal world at at some point i just i don't have a lot of i I don't know i'm just gotta i surgically choose the games that i'm spending time with (laughs) word i'm not really spiritually ready to jump into it yet uh but i want to play it with carrie so i'm gonna make myself at least give it a shot this weekend I'm like worried I'm, I'm going to run into the same kind of brick wall when Final Fantasy 14 hits Xbox. Excuse me? Ooh. Did you say a brick wall? Oh, <laughs> shit. Very nice. Thank you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, all the jobs now, they have it so that once you get a new job, you can auto-level to, like, 70. Jesus. So you could, quote, get to the good stuff. But with me, like, I don't know how to use any of those abilities yet. And just threw 40 of them at me at once. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's like I I tried uh Final Fantasy 14 on PlayStation and was having an okay time, but like it's still an MMO and it's just not my shit. Like I don't mm. I know people love it and the story and the battles and the everything and there's so much there to help onboard new players, but it's just at the end of the day, it's just it's just not my jam and like I'm not going to spend you know, 60 hours playing this game to get to the good stuff. Like yeah. the good stuff has to start happening a lot sooner for me. And it just feels like it's too late. Hey, there comes Pernell. There he is. Oh, what up? Hey, Pernell. Hey. We're talking about Pal World, sort of. Well, now we're talking about Final Fantasy 14. I don't know, man. Have you played either of those? I bought Pal World. Same. I'm trying it this weekend. The most meaningless statement that Pernell could make about <laughs> game. Oh my god! <laughs> so playing it, like, oh, did you play it? Well, I bought it. Oh, cool. So you'll hey, never play it. Hey, hey, first of all, a week ago I wasn't even going to buy. I took <laughs> I took trust in the belief that the game would be worth my money in the first place. There are lots of games I won't even buy, let alone play. What's so you know, it's on Game Pass. You could have just like downloaded it and tried it. Well, the reason why I ended up buying it on Steam instead of the Game Pass was um, the friend of mine who was talking to me about it was uh, saying that there's like an issue regarding the servers on Xbox versus Steam. Well, the so Steam like, version's ahead uh, in terms of patches, too. Like, that's, oh, the that's another reason. Yeah. So, like, with that being the reasoning, it's like, well, if the friend I like me into playing with also has it on here and is, you know, further along in progression, I'm okay with investing the money in the game in the event that the game ends up being decent. And this friend who generally does not like Pokemon, which I'm going to go on a limb and just say, yeah, they really aren't alike. It's just they have cute monsters in both games and there's a question of access flips. Well, the, the game um, the game is more like Ark or Valheim yeah. than it is Pokemon. I mean, people keep pointing to Pokemon, but it is not a Pokemon game at all. No. It's a fucking survival no. game. It's literally just, hey, there's cute animals here and people go, whoa, Pokemon killer. And it's like, not really. I wouldn't come to this game to get what I get from Pokemon, like, at all. So, yeah. I don't know why people are so determined to, like, have that rivalry, but then again, one of my kids are games. It's, it's very game. surface level. It's basically... What? It is to Pokemon what Pokemon is to Dragon Quest. 
Ooh, yeah, I like that. Made a random joke that wasn't even sure if it was authentic or not. Where he said, That's "Uh, really good. threatened." I guess like um, Square Enix threatened to sue Nintendo if Nintendo sued them. Oh no, no, I'm not talking about lo- I'm not talking about litigiousness. I'm just talking about that's what it is. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Like yeah. that's the reasoning because Pokemon borrowed a lot from Dragon Quest in that regard. Right. So yeah, like, like everything. <laughs> hey, and remember when bring up oh, nuggets sorry. and they lose their shit. Dude, but Dragon Quest is cool because instead of um instead of being like mad about it, they just borrowed it back and came out with Dragon Quest Monsters. Yeah, you know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> true. And those games are good. Oh yeah, yeah. I just uh, I just picked up the rarest of the Dragon Quest Monsters, uh, Dragon Quest Dragon Warrior Monsters Two: Terra's Adventure, the Ooh. first one starring a girl. Wait, so Terra's Adventure is cool. actually more rare than the one that had the boy in it? Kobe's Journey, yes, by a long shot. Like the wow. cart's very hard to get for under a hundred dollars. I managed to do it, but um, like if you get a complete in box, it's at least four hundred dollars. The hell, collectors, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I tried to buy a um a complete in box that was a little bit that was uh, it was well under four hundred dollars, and in fact, when I purchased it, the the buyer like refunded it. So I was like, oh, they must have either sold it somewhere else for more money or decided they wanted to just pull it back and try to get more money. Yeah, I've seen so, about the way to go with that junk half the time. Yeah, that, that's what you get for, you know, trying to shop on Mercari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Speaking I of ridiculously buying... rare games, Chris, I have a question for you. Oh, have you sure. ever heard of the Wii game Veggie World? veggie world on Wii. um no i don't think so because i saw a copy at magfest sealed for a thousand dollars was that video games new york no it was just Um, some stand way in the back oh did you see the the uh there was uh this could all be content by the way it um, is. This is all oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the, can uh, switch uh, off speakerphone. <laughs> there, there was somebody. There, there was a table that had. So last Friday, uh, Limited Run Games put up the last 3DS game ever, which is uh, Shantae, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse for 3DS. Oh my god! <laughs> and some of the limited edition version of that apparently leaked out of the factory. Like oh, no. a couple months ago or something like that. So what they had a copy at Magfest for a thousand dollars. Jeez, yeah, nice. It, it, I could have purchased one for seventy uh, last Friday, but I didn't really want it. I just got a regular version. Just uh, <laughs> wow. Like I, yeah. Well, I mean, it was just it was hyper rare because it wasn't out yet, and I'm sure it's gonna it's going to be very expensive because there was not a lot of copies of it. The question is, did someone buy it by the end of the convention? Because you know somebody probably did. Nah, I think somebody probably was aware. If somebody was interested in that piece, they knew they were going to have another chance. Um, I'm I'm too sleep brain to remember, but what's that GameCube game that like is a minimum a thousand dollars? It's not Cubivore. Pokemon Box? Huh? Pokemon Pokemon Box? Box. Oh, really? I thought it was. I thought that was Mm. expensive. Uh, there's one that's like it's commonly like really expensive. But anyway, I was just gonna say like the thing that some games like are so um unknown that they're only known because they're expensive. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I feel like Veggie World may fall under that because I had never have seen this game, and yeah, here it is for a thousand dollars on eBay. Yeah, I've never heard of that in my life. What kind of I game like is it even? 
Apparently, yeah, it's a game about, about veget about become um, you know tutorial for vegetarianism. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, Veggie World. Yeah. I have no clue what the hell it is. Pokemon Box. I'm looking up the American version is worth a few grand. Yeah, Yo. I'm trying to remember. Was it Pokemon Box only accessible through like Nintendo? Yes. That reminds me. There is a uh, <laughs> there's a, a famously terrible um, Game Boy Advance game called Urban Yeti that uh. It, oh, it had yeah. Such, yeah, it had such a low print run that like you actually had to buy it from the developer at one point, like through mail order. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that though that that game goes for for quite a few pennies. Um, I just and is notoriously I just, bad. <laughs> I just remembered. I actually have a question for Chris, and I oh. want to ask before I forget. So, Etrian Odyssey Origin Collection is on sale for half off. Uh-huh. And Ooh. part of me is like, why the hell would I buy this? I have all three on the DS, which is the superior format for the mapping and everything. And of course, mm-hmm. two screens. The other part of me is thinking, but is it still worth playing them on the the, the Switch because I, of the fact that it's HD? <laughs> I don't know. I would but say I so. Like, I mean, happened? you also, um, you know, there's a little bit of quality of life to it as well. But yeah, it's HD. Um, you know, you can... Uh, it has like a, a better kind of auto mapping system if you want to use that instead of uh, instead of drawing. But you can draw with the controller now, or you can uh, use the touch screen to like to do that. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff to the collection. I would, I mean, in all three of them for forty bucks or whatever is absolutely. Well, that's worth the thing. It. Like all three for forty. Yeah, like if I didn't own these games, easy no brainer. But as a person who owned them, I was like, I'll go to a person who also owns them. And because I know yeah. you played them for the show and touched on it. Like, if you think if you were to spend the cash on it, would you be like, oh, yeah, I totally buy these again with what they give me? Not yeah, as yeah. a general but, review, but as a I'm a fellow owner of the games. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing, though, is that like, that's just the kind of thing I do. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if a great 3DS game is coming out on Switch, I'm absolutely buying it. No question. <laughs> <laughs> The Honestly, but you know let's, let's be honest that's partly how I am too so I'm not going for yeah. it. Um, no I really yeah. uh, I really really enjoyed my my full playthrough of the first game and I'm about to start the second one but I'm uh I'm wrapping oh. up Dragon Quest now. Uh, speaking of of buying things that we don't need to, um, <laughs> uh, today I got my uh what is this? what's the official title of this thing I guess it doesn't say it's the collector's edition of Paradise Killer for uh, oh, yeah, PS5. Okay. Um, I remember that game. Yeah, it's yeah, that came out in like 2020. Yeah, it's good as hell. But like this, uh, this collector's edition. I mean, I pre-ordered this like a long time ago, and it just showed up. Um, it's a really nice uh, edition of the game. And like I previously played it on Switch, so this is the PS5 version. So that's cool. Um, is it like yeah. way better? What the ver- the game? No, just the, the the PS5 version versus the Switch version. Because I, I, I reviewed the Switch version. I do not know yet. Uh, okay. I imagine it's probably the same or right same ish. It, it, it's just nice to have it on a on a different platform. Um, but so yeah, the, it, the collector's yeah. edition is that the one with like the the mouse pad that came with it? Yes, it, yes, it comes with the boob mouse pad. <laughs> uh, of course, it did. <laughs> oh, Agris has competition. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's got the, got the boob mouse pad of crimson acid, but yeah, it's got like a little lenticular card of like the murder. Uh, in the game and some stickers and some acrylic standees and like a little keychain charm thing. And I'm just like, man, this is like actually a really good 
collector's edition. <laughs> I don't I think d- it's I'm, that I'm, expensive I'm, either, was it? It's under a hundred. It was like 80, 80 or 90 or something like that. Um, my only beef is that the soundtrack is a download and not a CD. Uh, I mean, I have the soundtrack, but hey, I wish it was a CD. It was a physical. But yeah, it would have been cool if there was a physical CD. But I mean, like, I don't know. It's for compared to some of the stuff that I, uh, some of the collector's editions I see that are around that same price range, this one is much more robust. Oh, wow. I'm looking at GameCube games on, um, on eBay sorted by price to see if I can find this game I'm trying to think of. And somebody is trying to sell a sealed uh, game for $5,000 because it's the rarest U.S. Uh, GameCube game. Do you want to guess what it is? Is it that, the rarest GameCube game? Is it that player's choice uh, monkey ball combo? No, but that one okay. is is the duo pack is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is on the list. Um that I'm looking at around the same price for, but I, I'm sure, you know, when you, when you sort it by expensive, you just get all the WADA assholes. So, it's, you know, <laughs> first, and that's who this is, but their declaration that it is the rarest GameCube game. It's not that basketball game, is it? NBA courtside 2002. Yeah. You're close, but it is not. It is a basketball game. NBA courtside 2003. Oh, the, co- the college basketball. No, no hmm. NBA street. I'm lost then. Uh, no, but no, it's not, but, no, um, no, no, <laughs> Michael no Jordan but, teaches no. taxes. <laughs> um, it is Disney sports basketball. What? Okay. Konami. I don't know. I, this is the first time hearing of it. I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I've just seen it in person. Like I was like, okay, it's Disney basketball, but they're like rarest GameCube game ever. $6,000. Wow, there's one for eleven hundred. Wow, apparently it is rare game. Holy shit! And, and they can keep. I'm pretty it, sure I used it, to have that way it. back when too. <laughs> this is making me more increasingly excited to uh, to one day like either hack my own or purchase a pre-hacked GameCube so I can just play all these games that are way too expensive now. Yeah, Disney Sports Basketball. Get on that Steam Deck and you'll already be there. <laughs> eh, I'd rather I'd rather just actually like use my uh, I would rather it be the console and just have it like on an SD yeah. card like that's fine with me um, five thousand dollars and the motherfuckers charging six for shipping you can't just cover <laughs> shipping <laughs> every last nickel and dime yeah God, what are you gonna do um, ship it in a bubble envelope for six dollars Christ <laughs> better roll up with an armored car at your house huh my uh, my Dragon Warriors Monsters Two um, came like practically bulletproof. It it was shipped from Australia because I was I guess the only way I was gonna get a good deal on it. Um, and it was like it was in the little plastic case. The case was wrapped in uh in bubble wrap. The bubble wrap was in a box. That box was wrapped in bubble wrap and then put into another box. <laughs> And, you know, I guess because the other box was, like, for international shipping or whatever, and then, like, the actual box was inside of it or something. And it, like, but it was just the cart by itself. It wasn't, like, you know, the cardboard box that is supposed to be protected. It's just, you know, they could have slipped it in an envelope and I would have been fine. <laughs> anyway, I, I found the game. I out with this rare game of yours. Is it GoGo Hypergrind? I- it is Go Go Hyper Grind. Ah. Excellent, excellent last second guess. I never remember that title. 
that pisses me off because that was one of those games where I was like, I should buy that. I should buy that. And in fact, I'm fairly positive I came real close to and I was like, this is the time not to do it. Probably because I was <laughs> about that other game that was sort of like it where you had the stupid thumb, the tech deck that connected to the controller, mm. whose name I cannot remember right now. It was a similar vibe, but GoGo Hypergrid had the freaking cartoon wolf on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, and it's just one of those Atlas games, which Atlas, you know, around this time 20 years ago was like, you know, any time, like, because they would release like, I don't know, 30 copies of any game. So it's like, no matter what the game was, it would just randomly triple in price. And then it would triple in price and then triple. And then, you know, now here we are where like GoGo Hypergrind, Cubivore, all those are like a minimum, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. <laughs> Atlas like, needs to do like an Atlas Classics collection of just really rare shit. Port it to everything. That's the name of the game. Yan Yan Kabbalista. Ooh. What? I, <laughs> that, that, that dredged up a long buried memory. I think I saw that game one time. <laughs> I remember buying it. I tech decked for a little bit and said, this is fucking stupid and took it right back to the store. But the art for the game looks really good, but the gameplay was not. Mm. So Go Go Hyper Grind came about. I'm like, uh, I've been burned by uh, Kabbalista. Maybe I should let this sit on the shelf. And now it's worth money because, of course, it is. Same with Rule of Rose. Oh, should buy yeah. it. Oh, oh this is I should save, save money, Pernell. Don't buy it right now. You buy too many games. Brr, now that game's worth stupid amounts of money. That game I did buy ain't worth shit. Yeah, that's Rule of Rose is that's uh, a lot of people kind of let that one pass by, and then you know, and should have because it's not good. <laughs> I, I watched my roommate play it. That game is shit. Uh, <laughs> it's rare. So was 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 all the edge factors what made it stick up aside from the rarity, of course? But well, I, I guess it was the edge factor you know, that made it ring. Freaking horror weirdos will play anything. I um uh, the. The one and only reason it has my interest is because it was developed by Onion Games people. Like, you know, back when they were like 12 different companies. What is and Onion they, Games? You mentioned Onion Games not too long ago, I saw too. What is that? Well, you pull well, back one layer and there's another company. <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly how it is. Yeah. Is that really um, what it is? It? <laughs> so currently, Onion Games uh, develop games like um, they're kind of. So their uh, their their thing now is a uh, Dandy Dungeon, uh, the Legend of Brave Yamada, um, Blackbird, right, which yeah. is a twin stick shooter. Uh, yeah, they thanks. they just re released. Well, not just it was like years ago, but they re released a uh, Moon Remix RPG, which was uh, developed oh, yeah. by Love. Yeah, that was developed originally by Love Delic, and Love Delic did three really bizarre games that were that stayed in Japan and. Um, the the main people in Love Delic are now the main people in Onion Games. Um, also, people that worked for Love Delic and like a couple of other companies made That's things nice. like Chibi Robo. Uh, they made Contact on the DS. They Ooh. made um, Little King's game. Story on the Wii. They oh, made yeah. Chulip. And that's where you referenced it. Chulip the yeah. Kissing Mailman. Yes, Chulip the Kissing Mailman. That's an expensive uh, game now too. Yeah, and they made a uh, Rule of Rose and. Um, yeah, you know, just like a lot of other games, they also worked on a lot of like Nintendo first party stuff. So it's like these guys just like kind of got around, and nowadays they're kind of coalesced into, uh, or at least the 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 main guys behind Onion Games were the main guys behind all these other companies that kind of floated around, like I said, in layers, like like an onion. And um, that's why they're working on 
um, reacquiring like the rights to some of their games and uh, and putting them out. Although they did say that uh, Rule of Rose is extremely unlikely to be able to get a re-release for licensing or for you know uh, copyright reasons. Oh, I thought it was for content, so for copyright. No, 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 not content. Yeah, just like who owns the rights, how can we get them, mm. you know, things like that. Because, you know, That's always stuff. fun. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoy them. I loved um, the games that they came out with on Switch. I have all of them. Uh, and, um, yeah, like, uh, I really would like to check out the rest of their catalog, but some of it is way too expensive. Although I did just purchase a still sealed copy of uh, Little King Story for like thirty bucks, so Jeez. this poses no. a question to you as a collector, dude. So, with the <laughs> general dialogue of market direction or industry direction, do you foresee yourself continuing to collect on a digital scale, or are you going to just focus back on the physical games that you can get from yesteryear? Uh, it's one of those things where I always just do what strikes my fancy and what I can do. Um, so it's like I recently bought um, a copy of um, a physical copy of uh, Mario Party Advanced, uh, which is the the infamous single player Mario Party game that is actually not <laughs> a Mario Party. It's not a Mario Party game. It's a Mario adventure on a board game. But you like you actually well the shelf. <laughs> it's yeah it's really it's actually really good versus you know most mario parties um hey, it, hey whoa well yeah, like mario party at the very least it's it's the only truly like you could play this by yourself um kind of mario party thing because it introduces like all these cool characters it has a lot of fun things to do and it's uh it's really charming and uh yeah so i like played it and i really liked it and then so i was like oh i'm gonna buy this and so you know, that's um. Did they go of, for a lot of money, or was it more like you no, just had to find it? Nobody cares about it. <laughs> you can get a you can get a cartridge by itself for twenty bucks. Now I'm trying to remember that was the one that used the e-reader too, right? It did have an e-reader aspect, yeah, but I didn't mess with any of that. It also uh, the the boxed version, which I actually did buy, um, comes with an actual mario party board game uh, in the form of a poster that you can like play a game on and you can cut out little uh mario like standees and stuff like you can cut out your game pieces <laughs> and stuff although i'm planning on just using something else but uh it comes with an actual board game which i think is very fun in a game boy advance game that's pretty charming that is adorable dig that. yeah so you know there's things like that like i'm not in a rush to like i don't have any like uh compulsion to like have to buy anything i think i'm maybe i'm on my last limited run games thing that i'm waiting for and then i might buy one more but i might actually just wait till it just comes out and then i'll just pick it up at best buy or something are you saying farewell to the limited run games concept uh yeah i think i'm about done with small batch sellers i'm just gonna kind of let um the rest of them come to me until like I mean, there's no more Darius. <laughs> like, I, I can't. Uh, <laughs> there's no more of that coming out or anything. Like, they they pretty much picked all that dry. Um, so, like, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Unless they announce, like, something, like, super, super important to me. And then I, you know, can swing it. Then I'll, I think I'm just going to be done. Because, I've, I don't I've been know, moving just... more towards digital myself. Like, the only physical games I can see myself getting right now, I want to get Unicorn Overlord. Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> uh I'm I'm kind of getting into a into a yearly tradition of getting the collector's edition of the show 
on Xbox. I'm not a big baseball fan, but I just love playing the game. It, you just love a just, good show. Yeah, we love a show. It's a fun game. And uh, I think it's hilarious that I could buy a PlayStation game on Xbox. So. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, I feel like I might. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I haven't figured out where I'm going to go yet, but I know I still tell myself the Switch is like the grand finale on like getting a lot of games on one machine. Um, I know someone might be here and go, "What about the Steam Deck?" Like, well, Steam is its own little weird microcosm because a games well, are like freaking peanuts on their half the freaking time. Yeah, it's all digital. Like, there's yeah. no pressure there. No, no the, that's, uh, what that's what I'm referring. That's what I'm referring to. I mean, like oh, okay. the idea okay. of me getting games as a whole is like. All those games were like, as Tim made the joke about, I was like, Purnell buying a game is like the lowest form of praise. Like, and I get where the <laughs> joke comes from. And it's like, okay, well, the idea becomes as it gets to the point where like getting a physical game doesn't even matter all that much anymore because you can't do it. Well, I'm, I'm going to have less of a reason to want to buy games at that capacity because why bother? I'll just buy yeah. it if I intend to play it sooner rather than later. Or it's like dirt cheap, dirt cheap. So. Yeah, the overall dirt cheap, but I'll still enjoy playing games, and that to me is the most important part. I'm not going to stop buying games to play. It's just more like the 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 collecting element of it all, the different part. My um my my one and only goal uh, as far as like gaming and stuff this year is that I just want to beat 50 Switch games. And you're on a roll with that shit. Yeah. What? How far along are you? Um, Dragon Quest was game number nine, and, uh, yeah, um, but I'm still working on it, because, uh, well, I mean, without giving anything away, Dragon Quest games usually will go on after the credits, and indeed mine has gone on for about ten more additional hours. Um, and I took a break so I could play my, uh, my review games and stuff, but, yeah, I'm gonna get back into it and I stopped the second ending of that one. I think that's the correct ending to stop at. Yeah. After that, <laughs> How many I think endings it's are just there? Uh, three. There's like super Wait, bosses even... and stuff after. I, the second ending is really, that's kind of the important one. Yeah. I've debated starting that game over finally utilizing the, not basically finally utilizing my skill points and just thrashing the game at that point. Cause I figure if I got as far as I did without spending any skill points, just imagine what I'd do once I spent them. Even It's with the wild that you goal. don't spend any skill points cause you can just unspend them. I know it makes it even stranger, right? It's like a strange compulsion. Well, I'm just sitting there I mean, like, okay, I fine. got Jade, I got the, the grandpa or whatever, and then it was like, yeah, huh, the game literally, this. like, it even if on your first playthrough, it it offers you this menu of like twenty, like, you know, just twenty CBT options to like make the game torturously hard for yourself. <laughs> it's like I'm skipping all these. Thanks. I think I selected a few of them because once I realized that they do nothing aside from making the game hard, I was like, well, which ones seem like they'd be fun? Like, I had one friend who did a thing where you can't buy stuff at stores. I'm like, where the yeah. fun is that? You can't even spend your money. <laughs> You're just hoarding it for no reason in any capacity. I know I know the irony of that, so shut your face. Um, but, like, you're just hoarding the money for no reason, but you're earning the money. To me, a lot of the fun is getting new equipment and feeling like I'm doing something. And not being able to even do that just seemed ridiculous. I honestly... Like, you can't just, like... Right. I I truly don't spend much money in the game because I, I enjoy the crafting and usually that's the better way to get ahead anyway. But even with the crafting if I, I maybe it's been a while I might be forgetting but can't you buy resources that go towards the crafting too or do you mm-hmm. only get that from monster drops? No you can just buy them um, depending yeah. on what it is some of them are rare and you have to go collect them. Yeah but th- with that weird mod you can't even buy the crafting tool like you can't spend money at all it's just stop shops yeah. don't work which is like no 
just sends you right back out there into the wilderness to find all the little blue glowy spots so you can get your stuff. <laughs> sweet, sweet glowy. But yeah, I was just like, I just want to play a Dragon Quest game, and I already know this is going to take over 100 hours, and I was right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was like, just, I'll, you know, there's a whole other 2D mode I can play through this later, so I'm just going to do it that way. Um, so I'm playing through it 3D mode this time, and then I'm going to go back through it in 2D mode, probably nice. on stream at some point. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, we should probably get to reviews. We've been bantering for quite a while. <laughs> Uh, I apologize. We sure had fun, didn't we? <laughs> I, I apologize to Brooke because like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, apolo- I apologize to Brooke because Brooke actually was like planning on monopolizing the whole conversation to talk to Tim about Zelda, and like here I am just stammering <laughs> away. Hey, you know what? Tim's just gonna have to come on some other time. Let me catch up. Yell at him. Yeah. Yo, I do think I have almost all the equipment in the game, though, dude. Which That's is impressive. insane. Like, I think I'm missing, like, four pieces. Yeah, so you got the, um, yeah. Did you talk to her yet? Yes, I did. Okay. Did you go to the castle? No, I did not. Don't be scared. Go to the castle. Okay, is it going to, like, cut off the rest of the game? Like, is it over no, once I do? No, okay, sweet. No. I'm going to go. All right, cool. No. I'll be playing <laughs> Power World this weekend, guys. Might be going to the castle. Nah, I'm going to try nice. that tonight, actually. Do it. Do it right now. This weekend, I'm actually, well, theoretically this weekend, I'm going to Chicago to see a near concert. Oh, sick. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to New York. Pretty excited. To not see Ew. a near concert. I kind of wish I were, though. Next time I leave town will probably be for the first time I've left the state since 2019. Um, knock on wood. Maybe where April. Neko Town? What? Neko Town. Might be, uh, might be hanging out with. See, I'm Joe just muting Brooke because I don't want to. Okay, okay, out. all right. Let's, let's get into, <laughs> let's get into the reviews. What are you talking about? We'll tell you later. We'll tell you when you're older, Pernell. I'm gonna slap <laughs> you on the side. I'm the oldest one here. Well, I'm gonna DM you now. <laughs> the it's time for. Well, you know, I I guess you're a man and not a boy, unlike the turnip boy yeah. that Tim will be. Oh, there reviewing. we go. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to bring it home, y'all. <laughs> you did a good job, Brooke, because the first game that we're going to talk about tonight is hey. Turnip Boy Robs a Bank, developed by Snooze- Snoozy Kazoo, published by Graffiti Games, released January 18th on Xbox One, Series X, and S, Switch, and PC for $14.99, also available as part of Xbox Game Pass. Turnip Boy is back. This time he's teaming with the Fearsome Pickle Gang to plan and execute the weirdest heist of all time. Shake down hostages, steal precious valuables, battle the fuzz, and use wacky tools bought off the dark web to move further into the vaults of the botanical bank. Uh, Tim, tell us about your time with Turnip Boy Robs a Bank. All right. Yeah. The second game in the Turnip Boy Commits Crime series. Um <laughs> I played murders uh, next, right? Like where else does he go from <laughs> this, here? This I mean, you, you put a lot of produce in the ground in this game. <laughs> uh, our, our hapless little adorable turnip boy. So yeah, uh, two, I don't know, two, three years ago was turnip boy commits tax fraud, which was a, um, fun, uh, fun and funny little, uh, kind of simple Zelda clone. Um, that I reviewed for this podcast and enjoyed and have recommended to many people. Uh, the only drawback of that one being that it was maybe a bit too short for the asking price, but it's been on sale plenty of times. Uh, anyways, Turnip Boy's back, 
and uh, picking up <laughs> where the last game left off when you killed God. <laughs> you dick. Uh, you, uh, yeah, you're this guy, this, uh, if I recall correctly, he's like a pickle or a cucumber who knew your dad, uh, and you and, and this guy and your dad were in like the bank robbing business together. He taps you, the turnip boy, to help him rob a bank. So after, and, and one of your qualifiers is that you have killed God. So robbing a bank should be easy. Um, but I appreciate, so. I appreciate the continuity. So, um, this game is not a, not like Zelda. Uh, it still takes place from like an overhead perspective, but here we got a like roguelike, uh, twin stick shooter going on. Um, you are, you know, you're going to rob this bank. You will, uh, run into the bank. You can shake people down, innocent people down who are indicated by like, they're kind of, when I say people again, everything is produce in this game. Pretty much. Uh, you're, you know, shaking down apples and peaches and broccoli and, and stuff for their money. Like, <laughs> you literally pick them up over your head and shake them and a bunch of cash will fly out. Um, awesome. You can, yeah, there there will be guards that you can shoot up. There's valuables scattered around the bank that you can collect for bonus cash. Uh, but you have a timer. You only have uh, a few minutes before cops start showing up in earnest. Uh, so you you run into the bank. You kind of get as much done as you can, and then you have to get back to your uh, your getaway van. Uh, and as the cops flow in, they start dropping in on ropes from the ceiling. And the more cops you kill, you actually get like a GTA type star rating. Uh, and the cop presence will become more and more intense the longer you <laughs> stick around and, and shoot cops. Um, but the bank is not huge. Um, there is an element of randomness to it. Like there are some rooms in the bank that are set in where they appear. And then there are other things uh, like other hallways or other rooms that are randomized off of those main floors. Um, there are like an astonishing number of NPCs just hanging around in the bank that will give you quests, um, which you can, uh, fulfill uh, and will fulfill as you just keep exploring the bank and exploring different hallways and trying to push further and further their main. So there's two main gatekeeping methods in the bank. One is there are bosses. There's four bosses around and, and you will approach them in order. You're not going to like break sequence in this game. You have to, once you beat a boss, you get a key card. Then the key card opens a door. Um, and the other thing is going, once you're back in your hideout, you will go on the dark web and there's certain items that you will need that will bypass, uh, blockers in the bank and, and help you progress that way. Uh, also when you're back in your hideout, you can spend money to just like improve your character, uh, your, your character, turn up boy, make him stronger, faster, more health, more powerful. Uh, you can <laughs> inject steroids into your bullets. So your bullets do more damage. <laughs> um, uh, while you're in the bank, uh, enemies will have a chance of dropping, uh, various interesting, uh, weapons. Um, it's funny. So like they give you like, there's kind of like a basic assortment of weapons that they give you. Uh, like you start out with like, just like a regular pistol and then like a sword made out of wood. Um, you can carry two weapons at a time and you'll gradually unlock more weapons uh that are that are familiar like crossbow shotgun like you know an automatic rifle rocket launcher grenade launcher this stuff 
uh, th- these things have like unlimited ammunition. The stuff that you find in the bank has limited ammunition, but is generally more powerful. Generally, it's better stuff that you're picking up in the bank. But you can take those weapons and you can trade them in, and that unlocks more of like the unlimited ammo weapons in your hideout. Um, which, uh, yeah. Uh, but generally, I, I was like, you know, there, there's good stuff like in the base, you know, kind of weapon loadout. There's like about 10 weapons you can unlock in your hideout that uh, you can just have. Um, but uh, the, yeah, some of the stuff, like there's a cactus machine gun that just like shoots needles. There's like <laughs> grenade launcher that's like launching corn on the cob. There, there's like all kinds of like weird stuff that I saw fires frog in different ways. Yeah, there's a thing that shoots frogs. Um, there's like a sunflower that shoots out this big rotating flower petal that blasts bullets everywhere. Um, there's like a money, you know, the money gun that like just shoots dollar bills out of it. There's one of those in there. <laughs> Like there's just like all kinds of nonsense and, and like melee weapons as well. Uh, though I did not, I preferred, uh, guns. Um, and, and I would stick to those. Yeah. There's like a mini gun that launches like pieces of toast, like really fast. I think that's one of the <laughs> boss weapons. Um, so yeah, the game maintains this, like it's the, just the, the writing and the spirit and the silliness of these games, I think is very good and makes me chuckle. Uh, and does not grind my gears in any way whatsoever. And that charm uh, is, you know, a big reason why I, I was anxious to review this. And I really like the first game and recommend that to a bunch of people. And they maintain that uh, level of silliness in this game. Um, but yeah, if when you're, as you're going through the bank, you unlock, you get deeper and deeper. If you die in the bank, you drop half of the money you've picked up. Um, and you don't get to cash in like the valuables. And if you like any weapons you picked up, you drop as well. Um, it's not an ins- it's not like a huge deal. Um, you get to a certain point and the amount of money you're like there was there was one haul I pulled back and it's like, oh, I can just buy literally everything that's available now. Like <laughs> the the way the money scales up, it's not a big deal. It's still meant to be a game that's like playable and accessible, and it's not a roguelike game that you're gonna spend dozens of hours grinding on like i finished the game in like four or five i think i think it was five um and that's that's a good length that's a good experience for me uh it kind of you know it does its thing doesn't overstay its welcome um i guess uh, the hand i would raise against it is there were some moments where i was having trouble finding which way to progress just because of the way the bank sprawls out and sometimes it's easy to miss doors um uh, but you know, I figured it out eventually and like, you know, runs aren't that long. So it's like, even if you have to grind money, it just takes a few minutes to grind up some money. Uh, it's, you're not like doing a 45 minute run just so you can get money to unlock an item that will get you further in the game. Uh, it's just very well balanced in its length, uh, and, and the way that it progress is, uh, I mentioned, yeah, there's lots of fun little side quests you can do, which is just pretty much just, uh, well, some are based on, you know, killing and destroying stuff. Usually it, they're kind of fetch quest things where someone's like, Hey, go find this guy and shake him down for my divorce papers. Um, okay. <laughs> can do that. Uh, you know, buy this thing off the dark web for me, this, uh, you know, anime pillow and bring it to me like, okay, cool. Uh, and yeah, uh, it's a good game. 
I really liked it. Seems like they they have a winning formula and they stuck with it. It's yeah. uh it's only fifteen bucks. What are your thoughts on this one? I, I think it's it's absolutely uh, worth purchasing if if what I just said appeals to you. I think it's super fun. Uh, it's super appealing. Uh, my kid loves it. It's rated T for teen, but like he's he was playing it like all weekend. He he loves Turnip Boy, um, and the ridiculousness of this. He he unlocked like the weapon tree faster than I did. That I was progressing <laughs> like the story, and he's just like, no, awesome. I just I'm selling all of my weapons, and he's running around with a freaking rocket launcher, just like having a grand old time. Like even though, even though the game's T for teen. And so I had to give him permissions on the Xbox to play. It doesn't matter. Like he, he's loved it. He, he liked the first one as well. I don't know that he got as far into it. Cause that one is slightly more cerebral. Um, and this one's just more Rudy tooty shooty. Uh, they have accessibility stuff in there for turning down the difficulty. So nice. yeah, anybody can get in there and, and, and do it. There's like plenty of accessibility features, but yeah, in terms of difficulty, like, yeah, no, no one's going to get, caught up in this and i think yeah it, it is like the, the only adult i i don't know it's probably rated t for teen because it's realistic looking guns shooting produce right. the produce really <laughs> isn't the problem um <laughs> it's just like yeah no that is a recognizable like ak-47 that turnip boy has but yeah that's it i think it's yeah it's a blast i love it i'm i'm excited the series is continuing and that they seem to know you know have a good vision of of where they want to be hitting with these games. If you're on the fence, it's part of Game Pass, so give it a download and try it out. Yeah, that's what I downloaded on Game Pass for him. I was playing it on Steam. This was a Steam copy review. Played it on Steam Deck. It was great on there. No surprise. Very good. Well, Tim, that is it for you. We will let you get going. Uh, Night, night, Tim. Everybody, do an air horn out for this guy. Oh, that's a real one. That was good. I do like <laughs> Cornell's best, but it's pretty good. I mean, we, we, we could get into a soundboard if we want no, to get into no, a soundboard. No, no, no. I see <laughs> you loaded up your, your SML one is, is pretty uh pretty full. But uh Yeah, a couple of good ones. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No one knows what the hell that is except you. No. No, we're not no. going to get into WrestleTown. Um, but yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows when the next time we'll be on is. Uh, I imagine oh, like when, the, when, whenever that Elden Ring DLC comes out, like I'm going to have gotten here and talk to Brooke yeah. at length about it. <laughs> whenever that happens. I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah. That's a damn game, by I, the way. Yeah, I'm kind hey, of... What's up? I feel like right. that along with the Yakuza games are like goals of this year. Like I want to put time into those specific things. Maybe Eld- finally Elden Ring and uh, Yakuza? The two, yeah, the Yakuza seven and eight. Like, I want to play both of those. I kind of want to try that I, franchise. Well, like, the franchise like in general run. is great, mind you. But I'm doing the the RPG ones. Like, I own all of them because, of course, I do. But the ones that grabbed me were the RPG ones. So I'm doing more of those. If I can at least get through those two, I'll be happy, and I can go back and play the other ones sometime later. But yeah, I kind of want to go back and play Zero. That's I. Uh, I didn't end up liking Like a Dragon that much, oddly. Um, I kind of stopped playing it, but I, I want to check out some of the other games in the series because I like what it's doing. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, I like what's going on there, generally speaking. Um, one that came out what like two, three months ago is like thirty percent off on Xbox. That yeah, it's also up. on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man 
Also, joining Game name. Pass Persona 3 Reload. Fuck yeah. It's joining. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to find gonna time sick. for that. Cause like, so right now, I'm playing the new Prince of Persia game, which I saw that uh, Grant and Aki reviewed last week, and I'm sure they both liked it. Um, and if they didn't, uh, I really liked it, and I think you should buy it. Uh, it was very good. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very good. Yeah, I. It, you know, what's funny is like I got it digitally, because it came out the day that I was flying to MAGFest. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, what a nice thing this will be to, like, play on the plane. Maybe when I have some downtime at MAGFest. And then I remembered, like, oh, right. My other Switch, my old Switch is the primary Switch so that my kid can play my digital games on it. So I can't play Prince of Persia digitally without an internet connection. Uh, so I, you know, didn't, I didn't bring it. Uh, so I felt stupid. And then it took me a while to get into it because I spent a lot of time sleeping last week. Um, yeah, I'm playing that. I'm, I'm I'm playing Lies of P finally. Ooh, how um, is that? It's, it's great. It's it's it is Pinocchio Bloodborne. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, so people. I'm getting pretty into that now. Also, I, uh, on Game I, Pass. Have, I have a question for you What's regarding your... that game. Hmm. Has anybody yet made like a Sarah Lee parody and called it Pies of Lee? It's really uh, what? I love that. Nobody does it like Pies of Lee. Yeah. Chris, we love you. Thank you. Love you, too. Anyway, back to dinner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so anyway, any final uh, word? The, the next game, I was going to say, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm playing Prince of Persia, and I think the next new game coming out that I'm really interested in, other than Persona 3 Reloaded, which I have no idea where I'll have time for, uh, is, well, because Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is at the end of February, so I'm definitely playing that, uh, so I got to be careful of what RPGs I do or do not start uh, <laughs> at this time of uh, year. So maybe when I finish, I don't know. I don't know. I'm playing. I just started dredge tonight, catching up on that. I got one. a couple, got a couple 2023 games. I want to check out, uh, you know, before, before this year gets into its full swing. So yeah. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I'm uh, off to bed. Y'all have a good night. Night night. Joe. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Oh. 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 I can kill you. <laughs> All right. Good night. Take it easy. Night, night. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> wrestling stuff. It's all wrestling. Uh, next game to talk about tonight is Momodora Moonlit Farewell, developed by Bomb Service, published by Playism, released January 11th on Steam for $16.99. Momodora Moonlit Farewell is the latest installment in the Momodora series. Join Momo High Priestess of the Village Koho as she embarks on a divine mission to save her people from imminent destruction at the hands of the demon hordes. Someone to buy a malevolent bell ringer. Now tell us what's going on in Momodora Moonlit Farewell. Well, basically, I'm going to just preface this by saying that I have experience with this franchise, but it's one of those games where I put on hard mode. I died in two hits way too many times, and I just kind of stopped. So that's my experience with the Momodora games. But I did like what <laughs> I played. I just happened to suck at what I had played. But as a result, what I'm saying that for is because I've heard people make reference to this game being like a narrative continuation of the previous games, and I don't have that relationship. So I'm treating this as a game where I just kind of came in and said, hey, Momodora, what's going on here? And what I can say is that, you know, I'm pretty much enjoying this game. It is a solid, you know, Metroidvania of sorts. 
Um, you run around um, multiple connected areas that kind of spawn from the beneath your village, with the intent being to find this black, I guess like a missing black bell, something on those lines. And as you're running around these underground environments, which honestly, even though I'm saying they're underground, they're really not because you're in like fairy spring areas and like forested areas. Not a beautiful scenery, despite the fact that you're going down. <laughs> uh, but as you explore these areas, you come across, you know, NPCs that are associated with this character throughout the franchise, apparently, or even people that are new here. But I'm going to go with franchise because she speaks with familiarity to all the NPCs she meets pretty much immediately, with a couple of obvious exceptions as you see them. Um, so there's that aspect of the game. But the actual gameplay of the game is, again, pure conceptual fun in this case. She fights with her sacred leaf as she did in the Momodor game that I played. That is your primary weapon. But she also has access to a bow that you can fire at will, though it does take stamina to fire the what's called the potent shot. Potent shot being when the um, when your stamina gauge is maxed out and you fire an arrow shot, it has like a ridiculous amount of power behind it. And that's generally the main time you want to use the bow. Beyond that, your leaf will be your primary method of attack. It works as a sword. Though it has like a combo attack of, you know, multiple, a couple strikes, and then you can throw it for a short distance attack. Um, and for the most part, those are your attacks. I, I wasn't lost. I just dropped my microphone. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> classic. But it's going to become classic. I got to drop my phone every you know, episode. Uh, but no, so as you play the game, you'll acquire items called sigils. It's kind of funny because when I first saw these, I started thinking like Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Like, wow, I can mix and match these cards to get, you know, combo effects. But this thing doesn't use them in that similar manner. Instead, they're just cards that give you different effects when you equip them. And you can equip a certain amount at a time, starting out with two. But you can acquire grimoires throughout the game as drops on like, you know, like pickups in the game to, you know, carry, equip more of them. And they have a variety of cool effects, such as your potent shot lighting enemies on fire, which is actually a surprisingly powerful effect if you can pull it off. The downside to that, however, is that a lot of those effects cost magic. And at the very beginning of the game, magic is utilized, to, is established to be the thing that's used to primarily heal yourself, aside from coming across checkpoints in the form of bells that you can ring to get your HP and MP back in full. So once you start getting these effects, now you have to use a precious equipment, I mean, you know, some, you know, sigil equipment slot to use it. But then you also have to, you know, bank on magic that you would have been using to heal yourself to use these other effects. So you know, wielder beware, as it were. Um, just like in a typical Metroidvania, though, as you run around the map, you will come across various pickup items that will enhance your character stats or whatnot. Uh, whether it be an item that gives you the ability to double jump or a multitude of berries that can increase your health, your attack power, or your stamina, or your magic power. So you will be seeking those bad boys out in mass in order to, you know, map out your entire screen. And honestly, I find the, you know, the actual grind of us exploring this map to be pretty freaking fun. They don't hold your hand, which I kind of appreciate. Instead, the game, if you go to your map, it will say things like, go here, like in text form, mind you. But it doesn't tell you where that thing you're trying to get to actually is. So if it's a place you've been to, you better remember where it is. And if it's a place you haven't been to before, well, you'll just explore until you find it. So as you get that new special ability that lets you get a little bit further around the map, you have to hopefully remember where you left off to use it. Typically, it'll be like an area of the map where there's an exit point that you didn't reach. That's the best way to typically note where things are for further progression. You might be asking yourself, what about further progression to get new items that you might have missed that you needed abilities for? Well, 
that to me is an innovation that this game did very, very well. And the fact that, quite frankly, it just it, it immediately puts a question mark on the map if there's an item that can be found there. Even if you yourself didn't notice an item being there, if an item exists there, you will see the question mark. And you can always know that that's a thing you forgot to get and go back and get later in the game. I genuinely respect that because it's kind of funny. This game and Prince of Persia coming out in the same month and both doing great things for, you know, item collection in Metroidvania-style games. I, I love that this game does that. Honestly, I'm not sure if I like this more or the Prince of Persia style, but quite frankly, just the fact straight up telling me there's something there, it's worth its weight in gold. So that's a selling point in and of itself. Music in this game is fantastic. The flow of combat is lots of fun. When you die, they let you keep all of your money and the items you found as of the time of your death. However, the checkpoints are not very, or they're not very common, so you may well find yourself having to walk a fair bit to get back to where you left off. But with that said, again, the fact that you keep all the money you found and all the items you found after a death is, I personally feeling, is, a, is very much respectful of your time in that way. So I'm not going to knock that idea there. Um, for the most part, I think this game is a lot of fun. Like, I can't, I don't have any real faults with it. It's, it plays well, the music is good, the loop is good. Even if, as a person who doesn't have a history of the previous games and therefore also does not have a history of a lot of why these characters are concerned about what they're doing aside from the base story of Save Your Hometown, I'm still having fun with it. And I feel like that in itself is worth quite a bit of praise for the game itself because that means it did a good job of the base package of exploration being fun. So, Very cool. in the end, I... Oh, oh. It, it clocks you, in at sixteen ninety nine. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's worth money. I think it's worth a buy. Um, I bought the previous games in the series, or the previous one of the two games in the series. I bought that, and I feel as though I would have bought this game if you didn't offer it to me. So, bam. I know you hate when I say that, but it's still worth saying. Um, <laughs> so, yes, this game is very much worth a buy, in my opinion. Maybe Aki will buy it, because looking at the screenshots on the Steam store, I'm seeing boobs. You know, Aki loves her boobs. And Momodora <laughs> does that. S. Libra was all about that, too. Was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. No, that's another game <laughs> I got to finish this year. I got to finish freaking S. Libra. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm so freaking closing. Chris beat it. So I, I have to beat it. I did, but I like I, I honed in on that one. I like got obsessed for like the 65 hours or whatever it took to beat it. And um because I was like, I know if I put this down, I'm not going to come back to it for like three more years, just like Dragon Quest. So it's like, I got to get back to it. <laughs> and when I came back to it, it was like, well, where did I leave off on this plot? Thankfully, unlike a lot of games, I was able to <laughs> yeah. realize where I left off and get back to it. But still, damn. It's, it's, yeah, without giving anything away, it's not the kind of plot you can just walk away from and come back later and be able yeah, to shit. like catch back up. <laughs> shit gets crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, speaking of RPGs, next game to talk about is Knights uh, of Greyfang, developed by XCreate, published by Chemco, released January 18th, Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $14.99. Unleash bloodthirst skills in an epic vampire RPG. Will Nightfall or Twilight triumph in a vampire war? Seize victory by claiming all nine temples and unravel the mysteries? battle the monsters within to conquer them. Chris, what is going on in Knights of Greyfang? Okay, so Knights of Greyfang is uh is is you know the the Chris game du jour uh because, you know, 
I'm the one who tends to get the uh, the Chemco X Create RPGs and such. Um, however, I am <clears throat> almost in tears. Uh, not because I just had to wolf down a bunch of pasta, but because um, <laughs> <laughs> but because I am happy to report that uh, that this game after. I think this is year 10 of me uh, reviewing these games um, because I, I know it started out with something like on the 3DS, I know way back in the day. Um, <clears throat> this is the first Chemco RPG ever that has a female protagonist. Whoa. And, uh, oh. Yeah, I have reviewed... Wow. I counted them once. I have reviewed... I, th- oh, I don't remember the exact number, so it... it I shouldn't have said I counted, <laughs> but it's about 50 of these games now wow. that I have that I have reviewed for the SML podcast. Um, and this is the first one where when the, uh, you know, it does the usual thing of like showing you the map and it's like the land of vowels and consonants. I don't know. It's always forgettable. Uh, a place where magic, blah, 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 vampires, things. And then it focuses on a female character and and retains that focus. Um I'm flabbergasted, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to lead with this, but then I decided I was going to because I thought about that joke about crying. Um, I'm so, well. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is an X-Create game, uh, very much in the same vein as all the other stuff that they've like come out with in the past couple of years. That is to say, it is modern. This isn't like a, um, a recent remake of like one of their um, 15-year-old RPGs or anything like that. This one's fairly new uh it definitely looks new it has the like you know the uh very detailed sprites against a uh you know kind of a flat rpg maker looking uh background this is absolutely going to be familiar territory if you've played like any of the as divines any of the alphadius well maybe not alphadius sometimes they change it up in alphadius but you know you're as divines your alphadius your uh you know your other a games <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, this one, indeed, like uh, the character, the main character is uh, Lise or Lice or Lies, Lies of P. Um, <laughs> L-I-S-E, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> but um, so she is, and this is uh, going to be the main like thrust of the early part of the game for sure. She is a vampire knight. Uh, so this is a world in which vampires are not only... Um, they not only exist, they're extremely normal. Like, basically, uh, ha- being a vampire is just essentially getting, like, kind of a power-up. Um, you know, you uh, a lot of people voluntarily become uh, vampires. There is actually a kind of um, vampire and human, uh, like, combat uh, symbiosis. That is to say, you have uh, humans who act as blooders, and they are... Um, essentially there to kind of feed the vampires while they fight uh, as a power-up, and then they just kind of go home and, and take a rest, you know? And um, so that's that's kind of like what this game is as far as that goes, is that you have uh, actually three female characters who are all vampires. Uh, one of them is royalty. Um, again, because they've completely thrown the Chemco uh, formula on its ear by having a female main character, there's no, uh, the secondary character is female, but not necessarily a romantic interest. Uh, she's actually the princess of the kingdom, uh, and kind of the person on which the events of the game kind of hinge, which is actually normal for a Chemco game. Usually the, the, uh, the, uh, 
the center of like the the plot is the second character, not the first character. The first character is kind of like an observer. Um, then you have your third character who who has next to nothing interesting going on with them, and that's this game too. And um, then you have the fourth character, who is your one and only male in the party. He comes in uh, during the first boss battle. Uh, he's a dude with no memory, but he's an extremely good blooder. Um, even though he doesn't really know about vampires or anything like that, he has blood that regenerates like immediately, so he doesn't require the kind of bed rest that another um, blooder would have. Uh, again, the game treats us all very normally, but <laughs> it's also... It's kind of written in that very uh, fast way where the characters will just basically say, oh, by the way, this guy's a blutter, which, as you know, is the kind of, you know, assistant to a knight that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, like very plainly explain things within uh, conversations that should go more naturally. <clears throat> it's like, yes, this is a uh, this is a cornerstone of our world. I know. <laughs> I know what a blutter is. But anyway. So, um, so yeah, he comes in. He's like an excellent blutter. Uh, he's mysterious and, you know. Uh, there's, yeah, he's got a mysterious weapon that, like, people are wondering about, and basically, with this ragtag group of crazy kids, um, you go along, like, you know, from town to town and, uh, fight enemies in the local dungeon, most of which happen to be temples, where you have to, uh, take them back from the dark forces of even worse vampires, I guess, or something. Um, the bad guys aren't really explained very well at the beginning of the game, so, but we know that they're bad guys because they're very, you know, they speak in, uh, in evil prose. Um, so yeah, being a Kemco game, this one has features. Um, this one, you know, if you, uh, if you've listened to many of my Kemco, uh, reviews, then I won't have to, uh, explain too much because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, sameness between these games. That's either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on whether you like it or not. Um, this one does feature the lottery system. That is to say, you can pick up uh, secondary and tertiary kinds of uh, tokens and uh, and tickets and things like that as you fight battles and go along. And those can be uh, basically used in a in a kind of gotcha format where uh, you might get like some really good equipment. Um, nothing too world-ending, as far as I understand. Uh, but, you know, I did spend some of mine and got some nice little boosts early on, which is really good. Uh, <clears throat> like, the lottery tickets are for, like, kind of just slightly better than what you got kind of type of stuff. And then these uh, bloodstones, which are actually kind of rainbow-colored, um, are for the uh, the big lottery stuff where you can get, like, you know... I don't know if you can get endgame stuff yet. Uh, what I got was pretty powerful. I got a, a nice bat. <laughs> so... A new system in this uh, game is that there's a, uh, <clears throat> on top of the swords and armor and helmets and stuff that you can buy, you can also, for your three vampire ladies, um, you can equip a bat. And uh, the bats actually basically give you uh, different kinds of spells that you can use. They kind of change up your strategies a little bit. They might boost a certain stat over another stat. Gives you a little bit more customization in your in your battle. A little more spice in the soup. It's pretty nice. Um, Toma, of course, not being a vampire, uh, has stances that he can equip, which basically serve the exact same purpose, but it's just like, I'm in attack stance, so my attack's better. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, apart from that, it does have the weapons eating weapons system. So nice. if you get a new sword, yeah, if you get a new sword, you can sacrifice your old sword to the altar for the new sword and, uh, have the new sword gain experience points and gain levels and stuff. 
And then when you get an even newer sword that's way better, you can sacrifice all your old equipment into that one. Um, Toma's weapon is unique in that uh, his his can absorb all the other kinds of weapons, as far as I'm told. I haven't really tried it yet, but um, the other characters have to, like, basically, uh, you know, equip the same kind of weapons every time. Um, or, you know, have a sword eats a sword, a knife eats a knife. You know how it goes. Um, so, yeah, basically... Um, you know, a couple of little quibbles, uh, because most of these games are converted from mobile. Sometimes they, uh, suffer from having really fussy, like, menus. This one's no exception. Um, however, it's not as crazy as freaking Seek Hearts, which is, a a Kemco game that stands out to me as having one of the worst menus of any of these games. Um, but this one is, like, weird. So it's, like, on the menu, there's an equipment button, right? And then that folds out into an upgrade button or a favorite button. Um, so you can pick your favorite. You know, you can assign... You could basically bookmark a weapon, or you can, like, you know, go to upgrade your weapon and stuff. The equipment button does not equip your character with any equipment. <laughs> so you have to choose your character's portrait. Then, on that screen, you then choose your character again... Um, because choosing a character portrait takes you to another screen with the four character portraits. Then you choose the character, like I said, again. Then you can choose equip, and then that will allow you to finally, um, once you choose your character a third time, uh, you can go to their inventory and swap out their their power swords and tough vests for even power, even more powerful swords and even tougher vests um, or <laughs> nice, nice newer bats. Um, and up to two accessories. But anyway, it's it's one of those things that's just kind of ridiculous. Like, it kind of makes sense in the mobile game uh, sense of things. But, I mean, like I said, you know, Kemco, they got to crank these things out, man. They don't have time to, like, rework a whole menu for you. So you're just going to kind of have to get used to it. Um, and the very first option in the menu is the system, which, you know, has, like, that's like your help catalog options, save and load and stuff. Like, that's usually the last option. I have no idea system is on the top items is on the bottom so if you want to use an item you got to open up your menu go down six spaces uh choose your item choose supplies out of your item and then choose from the list of items to use on your character once you choose your character so uh yeah that's the only complaint and honestly it you know fortunately uh unlike a dragon quest or or legend of zelda or elden ring or whatever these are not 300 hour games so, uh, you know, it's it's a small price to pay for uh, for a pretty quick adventure that, you know, you may actually like. And um, and again, like they're they're doing things now. They're finally, you know, they're trying out new stuff like female <laughs> protagonists. I can't believe um, that we're finally in the 80s. Well, this one clocks in at 1499. What are your thoughts on Knights of Greyfang? As always, these Kemco RPGs are worth your 15 bucks. Uh, as a fully-fledged RPG, you'll likely sink about, you know, maybe 30, 35 hours into. Um, it's a great way to, you know, just kind of have a nice little adventure while, you know, uh, waiting for the next big uh, Final Fantasy or, or Dragon Quest or Zelda or whatever to drop. Um, there's almost never anything offensive about these games. They are fun. They do have compelling stories. Um, this one in particular... From the X Create set, I would recommend um, because you know it's not going to seem as samey as the rest of them. Because again, we got female protagonists, we've got mysterious characters, and uh, you know it's not it's not so by the numbers anymore, which is a uh, 
really exciting for me because you know by the time I get to a to a nice rounded you know 100 of these games that I've reviewed, it'll be nice to like <laughs> look back and say, hey, they really changed it up sometimes. Female protagonist, you son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, moving on. Next game to talk about is Mice Guard, developed and published by Game Dynasty, released January 15th on Steam for $9.99. Play Mice Guard adventure game where Viking mice fight for honor, fame, and survival. Explore the world inspired by Norse mythology. Meet with gods and warlocks. Seize the glory of the fiercest mouse warrior in this action-packed saga. Brooke, what is going on in Mice Guard? All right. Well, before we get started here, let's just get one thing straight. My name is Mysel, and I'm already the fiercest mouse warrior. There's nothing to prove here. I'm already at the top of the line, the cream of the crop. We learned this super quickly in the game. This game opens up. We're in a little mice village, enjoying a little mice festival. We're Mysel. We're just sitting there being like, wow, what a great mice town party. Looks like everything's fine around here. We get one dialogue in. Uh, we're saying, man, this mouse food sure is good at this little festival. And then a little girl mouse comes up to us. She's a child. We're not. Uh, you know, when it comes to mouse sprites in video hey. games, the age can be hard to tell. But we learn she's a child because she gives us a little bouquet of white flowers. This is how the game starts. We stop. Dead in our tracks. Horrified, we ask her, don't you know what this means? These are no ordinary flowers. These are the blossoms of... I'm blanking on the word right now, Australia or something. Uh, and they're supposed to be given to the person you love. She says she does. Uh, she even specifies, hey, I know I'm not old enough yet, Mr. Meisel, but when I grow up, please marry me. I've been enamored with you ever since you won the big mouse fight. I haven't been able to take my eyes off you since. You're the best. And he's like, oh my God. So you do understand. Helga, because her name's Helga. Remember that. I can't make plans to marry you while you're still a little mouse kid that's messed up. But here, I'm going to take one single white flower for now. Just to be polite, let's table this until later. Uh, and she's like, cool, later. And she leaves. And as the player and reader of this game, since this is all that's happened, I can't really be alone in wondering, why do we just do this? Why do we open up the game with this conversation, this awkward situation Meisel's got to deal with? What did we learn here? Was there a purpose to making us think about this? And then on the side, on a personal note, I'm, you know, an anime game player. And I'm like, God damn it. I, I, one time I tried to take a non-anime game about little mice protecting a thing. I still got to deal with this underage crap. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, so, Speaking so of, of things that you this. wonder what the, the point is, uh, we just got a sub. It's on oh, you. Thank for you sure. for subbing. Always good having you here in chat. Beep, beep, we appreciate you much. being here. Uh, mice guard. Yeah. Mice guard. Uh, and mice. you're making it happen, man. Well, pretty soon we learned there is kind of a point to this awkwardness, except not really. Uh, so there's an, a mouse mother comes up, an old mouse lady. Uh, she runs up to us in tears and she says, the children, the children, including Helga, have all been kidnapped by frogs. And I am like, oh, my God, no, not the children, including Helga. I won't stand for this. I'm going to go beat some frog ass and I'm going to get back <laughs> all the kids. And now it's time for the game's tutorial. So I'm almost happy with this tutorial coming from me. That's not shit talking. Uh, it does have a lot of it doesn't have a lot of direction, but it doesn't let you move on with any part of the tutorial until it knows that you have the concept down. If you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that I need this. Uh, all devs, listen up. I, I like how I'm pretending all devs are listening to this. Uh, if your tutorial is lacking in direction, just make sure we can't move on until we have it down. That's going to help people like me uh, a lot. So I really like that they did that here. 
Um, we don't even, but we don't even know totally where we are in the tutorial uh, when they first pop us in it. First, we don't even know that this is happening. Uh, they let us know we can use WASD to walk around. And we slowly figure out we can use E to talk to people. I mean, mouse, mice, and they are talking. They're like, wow, frogs again? Ugh, I hate those guys. You know, ever since the dawn of time, <laughs> mice and frogs have been hating on each other. These guys suck. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm Mysel. I'm sort of the boss and the champion of this entire village. Those little girls are asking me out and shit, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> so everything's it's kind of, we're going across town talking to people. Um, at first, I got a little lost. I was like, am I just going to keep talking to mice? When is something going to happen? And then I realized there's a path going out of the woods, and this is the path that we take to get out of town. Start to teach us how to fight. Um, and there's already some mice here. When we chop through a doorway to practice our very first chop of our sword, uh, they're preparing to set out on a fight. And it's like, dude, what is up with you guys? I am like the coolest fighter around here. I'm my soul. Everybody knows this. Why weren't you going to bring me with you if you're going to go attack the frogs? And this one mouse named Rackin, he's like, oh, you're here, I guess. Great. Uh, we've got this. You should have just stayed home. I guess you can come with us since you're uh, here, though. Um, and then we begin to fight. We walk through the woods, and then we see it. We see little white flowers on the path of the woods. And we realize that Helga has been holding this bouquet. I guess this is the point of the flowers. And she's been leaving a trail of flowers so we can fight our way through the frogs and find the kids and rescue them. So now we're fighting, we start learning how to fight. And the most important part of this game that sets it apart from any other little indie RTS experience is that uh, we're mice and we can't fight alone. Mice have gotta be together. So we have different battle formations we can choose. And I played this mouse and keyboard for a little while. I didn't realize it could use a controller. If you are gonna play this game, I highly recommend uh, using controller over mice and keyboard. Uh, it just works super well as hard as much as it hurts my heart to not use my mouse for the mouse game yeah. uh really liked the controller experience better um, and we can switch through different formations we can also go into free mode uh where the mice can kind of act autonomously but it's really easy to uh be really vulnerable if you are in free mode with the mice most of the time you're going to want to uh get into a triangle formation and go into shield mode that's where all the mice have their little shields up and you build like a little shield circle wall where you can go through and not have the point of, of entry of someone attacking you. Uh, it's just a stronger move. And we can switch back and forth from arrows in that formation uh, to do range attacks, and we can also chop around with our swords. Um, and after a while, we kill a bunch of frogs. We get our first little mini-boss showing up. It's a frog king. He's got on a monocle and a top hat like any uh, king would have. <laughs> he dispatches tons of frogs at us. Uh, we kill them all, one by one. Uh, and he says... Wait, hold on. I actually switched around in my um, notes here. So sorry, guys. First review of the year. Okay, so <laughs> as we walk up to our big boss frog, we see that we have some mice in some cages. And we're getting ready to free the mice. And they're like, well, a couple of mice have already died. And we realize that uh, our future little child bride has also passed away. And we're super sad. This is a uh, not a very cash money situation. But... We still have to rescue the rest of the mice babies, and we have to bring them back home. So now we have our very first mission pop up on the screen, protect the mice babies. So we go all the way from where our boss fight was in the depth of the woods. We go all the way back to town through the winding uh, 
forest trails. We slowly walk uh, as more frogs come out to mess with us. And this part's a little more challenging than just fighting because we have the shared health bar with all the mice in our group like we did before, but now we have the babies to protect as well. The babies can't really fight. They're kind of running around on the screen, um, but they'll stay near us if we make that formation again, any sort of formation to protect them. And the trick at this point, just kind of get back on your good old mouse battle defense formation where you have a little triangle of shields protecting the center or whatever formation feels right to you. We're just going to keep the babies roughly in the middle as we slowly fight our way back home to Mice Guard. By the way, Mice Guard's the name of the town. Uh, so we re-enter the gates. As we re-enter the gates of the town, we see it's been destroyed while we were out. Aw, oh, man. When they were kidnapping the mouse babies, this is actually distractions. So someone could come and ransack the entire town and kill all the mice when the best warriors were out trying to rescue the babies. Uh, uh, it's so sad. But the first, thing, the first thing we realize is that our mom has also passed away. This game's pretty lighthearted, but a lot of characters die uh, at the beginning. Um, and we're freaking out. We're screaming, who could have done this? The frogs? Who would have done that? Who would dare? And remember that guy from before, Ratkin, who just clearly doesn't like us? He's here, and he's like, yeah, see, I told you not to rush through this fight thing because it doesn't matter anymore anyway. And that's crazy suspicious to me, the player, but luckily we don't spend any time on that. Meisel, he completely misses the smoking gun. He's like, well, no point crying about it. We got to rebuild the town. We got to make it even better than it was before. And whoever did this, we're going to figure it out later, and they're going to pay uh, big time. So now I'm almost going to wrap this up. We're restoring Mouse Guard. Now it's time to restore the town. Um, and this is another thing the game's about. Not a lot of mechanics going on here, but I guess we know what all the materials we've been gathering now are for. It is to restore the buildings. And as we walk around the town, we can see each major building we previously so loved has been raised, completely destroyed. As we restore each building, we gain back a unique bonus. Uh, unique. To see what that bonus... Unique. To see what that bonus would be, approach the building, and you can just press the same interaction button uh, as you would to talk to a mouse. And we can see that if we do collect the materials to restore the building, um, it will give us a dash mechanic to fight with. We'll also have a shield bash mechanic. Uh, another building, if we completely restore it, will raise our group's HP by one and a half times. There's not a ton of buildings, and there's not a ton going on in the town anymore. There's still some mice to talk to, but not a lot. They've all lost some mouse deer than them recently, so they're not very fun to talk to. In addition to the buildings, which we should have enough materials to upgrade uh, pretty quickly, we can interact with a big tree stump that has a little map of our world on it. We haven't seen this until this point in the game. Uh, and this is also how we access different levels, the game is calling them. But I think they're almost like chapters of the story or instances. When the map comes up, uh, we see that our world is called Rodent Home. Uh, very cool board game looking pieces with nice uh, sound design to them clicking around. Um, one location level we can select Tomorrow at the beginning. It looks, it looks like it. Uh, don't, you know, don't get your hackles up too excited. Um, but Ooh. I did appreciate this part of it. I thought it just, you know, you can tell whoever is designing this uh, likes little games like this. But yeah, so one location and level we can select to search for is the old a uh, wizard mouse who used to live here. We want to ask him why. There's supposed to be this magical stone called a rune stone protecting our village. Why does this stop working? Uh, that's kind of our first mission we want to go out to. Um, but before we go on this quest, Ratkin, love that guy, by the way, he's back. He's like, yo, I think that wizard's probably already dead and there's no point looking for him. Also, the reason the rune stone doesn't protect our town anymore is that the gods suck and they hate us. Uh, and once again... <laughs> We just don't pay his suspicious ass any mind. And we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We set out on our quest. 
And that's where I'm going to leave you hanging on the edge of your seat about the story's plot. I know a lot happened. This is about 10 or 12 minutes into the game. Uh, and this game can be beaten in about in under two hours. I'm seeing a lot of people beat it. Not by me, of course. Haha, <laughs> I have issues. It takes me way longer to beat a game. But I saw a lot of people on Steam once I started realizing this is a smaller game, knocking it out 1.5 to three hours easy. So well, let's talk about a few features this game has that we didn't stumble upon organically in my spirited narrative uh, take on this mice venture. <laughs> the graphics. I love the graphics in this game. I think they're super good for this price point. They're not like epic pixel art per se, but for a $10 game, especially I like the colors a lot. I love the mouse sprites that go along the screen as we fight, as long as whatever you call them, like the bigger dialogue sprites too, when we're speaking to a specific mouse are just great. The mice really do look like individuals where you're using a lot of assets here and kind of just coloring some things differently or adding a little features. But I like the art style a lot. I like the art style, not only of the of the mice themselves, but I really like the town. The t each building in the town is animated after you restore it, and the whole game just looks great. Like as you're as you're as you're going through the woods and forests, little mushrooms are moving slightly. There's like dew on some leaves. It's just got some really nice touches. Soundtrack, sound design. I found this game to be fun. I thought it was a really cute experience. Uh, soundtrack's absolutely my favorite part of this game, uh, which I wasn't expecting. When the game opens up, we have a pretty generic little festival town music going on. We're definitely getting some, uh, we live in the village in the forest and everything's fine vibes from this music here. <laughs> I like it, you know? I was just like, this is a normal song for this type of game. Uh, something I would expect, expect from a little mouse game. Uh, but once the tutorial and the actual fighting and drama began, the music gets so good and i really was not expecting it it's very very vikingy like very bare bones almost folk metal vibes and we've got like war music with with bagpipes and it really gets you going uh and from then the music design just changes for the whole game we've kind of got some animal crossing dialogue sounds almost coming out when the mice are talking to each other first i thought that would get uh, annoying but i got used to it really quickly but I loved all the music. If you see my Steam activity for this game, you're going to be like, she talked about this is a three-hour game for her, but she has 24 hours in the game. How did that happen? And the answer is, I was jamming out. I was listening to that War Bagpipe song. I really love it. I actually worked a complete <laughs> shift to that uh, little battle song, and it loops really quickly. So I thought that was a really nice touch. If the devs end up listening to this, really love your choice of music. And I thought they're just not expecting something that cool. Text and localization, almost done here. Uh, this could use some work for sure. I saw some other complaints about this too. I'm, I'm sure this game was made by a small team. But some play testing and run-throughs of the final script from at least a couple native English speakers could have really helped this game seem a lot less rough around the edges. I think some of the dialogue and grammar issues from the very beginning and just some sort of weird words on the menu give you the idea that this game's kind of be shoddily put together and rough around the edges. It's not. It kind of like belies that. Um, but overall, for this sort of complaint for me, other than feeling that it's it's glaring enough that I want to mention it in the review because it's obvious, I didn't find any of the text issues, grammatical-ish errors, typos to me more than a little annoying. And I don't think they really hurt the game much outside of just that final presentation. I was very rarely confused in this game. And when I was, it wasn't because of the words themselves or the dialogue that confused me. It was more that just... Uh, the, like, I found myself wondering uh, if anybody who is really familiar with the language ran through the script at the end, but that's not a big deal. Finally, I do want to talk about the story. While this is a shorter game, a lot happened in that 10 to 12 minutes that I was running us through at the beginning of the game. It does have a cool story, and even though we, we clearly know something's up with Ratkin, you're not going to see everything that's, that's coming in this game. It's got lots of little twists and turns. 
and I found it to be emotional and charming without going too far in the emotional direction uh, to keep this game more than uh, not a little upbeat. Uh, and I'm ready to go into rating now. Cool. Well, it is a $10 game. What are your thoughts on Mice Guard? This is a solid try it. Uh, I want to say try it for adults, especially. There's no real new ideas here in this game except, hey, the mice form in little formations and could totally be Vikings and have dramatic little lives. I do like the idea of introducing little simple formations like this to an otherwise pretty basic little indie RTS experience. Because a couple of my slight digs on the tutorials aside, I found this game to be very accessible. This is a very, very cute game. If I had a kid who was interested in trying their first RTS game, I would slide them this game. I would absolutely get them this. For adults, I can't heavily recommend this unless you're checking out screenshots in love with the art, you're really into mice, and maybe really into uh, cool, grindy Viking music. Maybe you have a history of Viking um, folk metal uh, fanhood <laughs> behind you. Um, I think it's a solid product for the price, but don't expect anything other than what the store page is already boasting. Cool. Sounds good. Whew, we did it. Brooke's first she review of the year. She did it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to actually hang out, so I will be here quietly supporting y'all. Beans, I feel like that was a lead-up to a Disney song. <laughs> I feel like that was well, a lead-up to a Disney song. only got two song. more reviews to go. No, no, she, <laughs> no, no, she, was, like, she was like, my first re- my first review of the year is complete. Like, it's done, complete, my reviews are something. <laughs> you can just come up with a song. You got this. I just feel it. It's there. I'm feeling <laughs> it too, man. But now you can do the the two songs left, the two reviews left song. Okay. Now there's only go, two Joe, you got reviews this. to go. Fernal is up next <laughs> with card on the show. Uh, <laughs> that was really good. Next game to talk about is Hellcard, developed by Thing Trunk, published by Skystone Games and Surefire Games, released out of early access February 1st on Steam for $19.99. Hellcard is a unique cooperative deck builder roguelike game. Descend into the paper dungeons on your own, recruit computer control companions, or join other players' lobbies in fast-paced tactical card battles against the armies of darkness and the arch demon himself. Uh, Pernell, we just heard you say fucking yeah, because Raider Biz dropped a sub for the 22nd month. Uh, Raider Biz, thank you. How awesome oh, is that? Raider Biz, enjoy the emotes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I can't stop thinking like that. Every time you say drop the sub, I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that's a lot of wasted sandwich, you know, sandwich of meat. I don't know what you're going to do with all that. <laughs> the meatball sub. The ball <laughs> oh, is around yeah, the ground. Different. They roll. That's different. Raider Biz, thank you so, so much for the sub. Enjoy the emotes. We actually have two new ones, including a lighter for those ballads and rock band stream. But uh, Hellcard, what's going on in Hellcard? <laughs> so before I even talk about the game itself, I have to mention the genuine, genuinely interesting yet also cool mechanic they've got when you boot the game up where they designed it so that when you start to play the game itself, you go into a what they call the Archive of Awesome. And that is a list, like a bunch of, bu- a bunch of pillars that house books, and each book features a game that this studio has, or will likely will have. So, for example, this game is on there. The pillar to the right of it is Book of Demons, which I already have on Xbox. But I bought it on here on sale because it's on a really good sale right now because I just wanted to have the book populated on the pillar. <laughs> uh, 
And then there's another one that's to be wishless to call it, um, you know, like basically Book of Aliens. I'm curious what that's going to be all about. But it makes it, it kind of puts a kind of a collection of their games in the game, which I think is awesome. So, what is this game? This game, Hellcard. Well, the best way to describe it from a narrative perspective is they decided to take the plot, or quote air quotes, the plot of Book of Demons reuse it but then say we want to tell the story a different way we don't want to tell it as a um a roguelike dungeon crawler instead we want to tell it like a roguelike card battler so they just flip the script and tell the game's narrative in a different way so at the beginning of the game you will choose uh one of three classes you can eventually unlock a fourth class um, and these classes perform slightly, di- well, I won't say slightly, they do perform very differently from each other because that determines what their starting deck is and also what cards could pop up throughout the game to facilitate their skill set and their abilities. Um, once you pick that character, you will go into the game proper and you will have to choose, as will happen every time you go beat a level in the game, you have to choose one of two floors or rooms on the floor to engage in and those rooms when you look at the description they will tell you what sort of monster primary monster you'll see in there and also they'll tell you what the reward would be if you manage to succeed on the floor such as hey if you fit you know zombie ghouls exist here but if you defeat them or manage to win you'll get a free artifact or you'll get a full healer or the ability to heal your party so once you choose it you're in business and you get down you go into the actual floor now this isn't a dungeon crawler. This is literally, you know, a battler. So once you get plopped down into the floor, you are placed in the center of a room, and monsters spawn all around you. There is areas referred to as the near zone, basically enemies that are close to you for, like, close range damage or melee damage. And then there's the far zone, which is usually where magic users and, like, you know, like archers and whatnot will camp out. Also, support, enemy supporters will camp out back there. So... At this state, you are tasked with defending your zone. You get access to a, le- a little bit of mana, usually you start with three, and a series of cards. You can play cards as long as they adhere to their mana cost, or you have the mana to use them, and you will be able to attack enemies. Um, depending on the class you have, for example, this might vary in what your options are. To give you an example, I primarily use the rogue character. The rogue character is a bow and arrow user, and a lot of her cards utilize desires to attack enemies in the far reaches to do to do more damage like for example a sharp arrow will say do two damage to an enemy but if they're in your near region it only does one so it's like ah crap that blows but she also gets access to attacks that allow you to kick enemies further out of your zone range to get them into the space in which you can then attack them with your arrow to do the maximum amount of damage so it's kind of fun to mix and match with that kind of thing um it's cool because every enemy that's on the screen, as you're choosing your making your decisions, displays on top of their head what they're going to do. So you might have 10, 15, 20 enemies on the screen, and they all got a plan. They'll show how much damage you're going to incur if you don't do something. And you have to use your cards and all of these icons, and if you want more detailed information, you can also you know, scroll over them and see what they're about to do in more detail, as well as their general stats. Um, you will be able to decide, okay, I got to plan out this move, this turn-based setup here, what I want to do, yada, yada, and then when you're done, you end your turn, and the enemies will all act at once. If you manage to succeed and not get your ass handed to you on, this, on the floor, you will win. <laughs> you will have a variety of different items. You could win a gem. I'll tell you what a gem does in a second. You could win a new card or two. 
new cards are exactly that. More items for your arsenal to do battle with. And then you can also win new companions because even though this can be a single player game, I'll talk about why I said that later as well. Um, even still, you'll be able to acquire AI companions, so just general companions that will buffer out your party. And once you get them, they'll join you in the center circle and they will have their own deck of cards that will be getting pulled from and their own mana pools. So you'll find yourself having to juggle between, okay, I want to look at my companion's card piles. I want to look at my card piles. And then selecting what cards and attacks you want to utilize to get the most out of a turn so as you, not, so as you don't get overwhelmed in combat. Once this is done, you'll go out of that window. You'll, choose a, you'll get to choose from a bunch of boons. And the way they do the boons is also pretty interesting, too, because you get three different categories, and each category gets three options, and you spend gems to pull off these bonuses. You can only spend gems for one item per category, so you can't like just blur out and just get everything you can afford, because no, that's not how this works. So you have to make the best choices you can and go from there and spend your gems and go back into the game. And then you'll choose another floor, or you go to the next floor, you'll choose a room, you'll enter that room, you'll go on and do it again and again until you get your ass handed to you and you die, and then you get spawned back out. You get to do it again, but now you get access to you unlock more cards, you unlock more character costumes and the like. But if you manage to actually succeed and win, that means beating the bosses on every you know four or five floors or so and getting to the bottom and defeating the Archdemon you complete a run. In addition to unlocking the fourth main char- the fourth character class you can play as, um, you also gain access to the Torment system. And the Torment system is kind of like cycles in games like Slate of Spire or Monster Train or whatever, where it's just designed to make it harder for you. It makes the game more challenging, which I guess in turn also makes you want to play harder and g- engage with more cards and better synergies. Because the torment system, the primary function of it is to give you handicaps, I guess. So, like, okay, it might cost more to do a certain thing, or you might take a certain type of damage every round, or just things that make the game harder for you. Um, but that's part of the fun. Win, get better, do it again, but in a different context, and just have fun with the game. And I do feel like this game is pretty cool in the way that they get this gameplay loop going, because it is kind of addictive to find yourself getting a really cool synergy at play, and making use of it. like there's one character I came across in the dungeon was referred to as a rune master, and a lot of his cards worked in a way where if you manage to attack and kill an enemy, whether they're near or far, you get the mana that you spent on the card back, and you can also get more cards to continue to play. You'll draw more cards, so it's like you can cycle your entire deck if you're efficient with killing enemies, basically softening them up with other guys and just like murking them with your wizard, so or your I'm sorry, your rune master, um, but. Yeah, this game surprised me. It surprised me quite a bit. I wasn't expecting what I got from it. I, In fact, I'm almost positive. I remember being like, I don't have time for this, Joe. I'm kind of busy. I can't play this. And then I was like, you know what? No, I'll take it. I'll take the review. And it became a review game. I'm like, you know, this deserves a place, which is why I also ended up buying Book of Demons, because this does deserve a place <laughs> on, my de- on my Steam deck. This is solid. And it feels different from what I'm used to playing in these games. So... Kudos, though I will say the one gripe I have, this could be again just a Steam Deck issue, is I wish it was an easier way for me to like quickly check out every enemy's attacks because once you start seeing some of these guys and what their symbols will refer to, but my game will also be like, hey, you're about to take 13 damage. Like, from who? Who's gonna do 13 damage? You're looking around, like, see running man, running man, sword with an arrow pointing up. I'm like, okay, is that a buff or an attack? So now I gotta go scroll to that and figure out is that the guy that's about to do 13 damage to me or damage that adds up to towards the 13 damage 
So it can end up feeling like a sort of like scavenger to be who's the guy who's going to wreck my face. Um, and there's also like weird bits where certain characters or enemy types have like counters, for example. Like there's a status called Rotten, where if you hit that enemy without killing them, they inflict rotten damage back to you. And for a while, you're going to just be like, why do I keep getting hit? I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. And you realize, I better start checking out what these enemies are doing to me. And you're like, oh, that guy's hurting me every time I don't kill him. That sucks. Um, so maybe if there was like a way like the hot, the kind of highlight, I don't know, like highlight or shade a character, a different color, if they got like a retaliatory effect, so you can at least look at it and see what it does, but at least get drawn to it. I don't know. Just stuff to make it, you know, more efficient to do at a glance checks on who's going to like counter my attacks and stuff. But other than that, I think this game is solid. I think it's worth your time. I like the idea of it all being like, you know, just like their previous game, Book of Demons. I like the whole paper, you know, the paper cutout style that they use for the art. It's very, you know, creative and artistic. Buy this game. It's fun. I feel like a broken record because I've recommended both of my games tonight. But hey. <laughs> hey, that's good. This is it's true. good when this games are good. Yeah. This is very true. I didn't even game get to ask you if you should buy it because you already said to buy it. Oh, yeah, man. Buy it. So what's your verdict? Hell card. Hell card. <laughs> Hell card. It's that's a buy. It. It's All a right. buy. Hell yeah. We got one final game to talk about tonight that is called Saga of the Moon Princess, developed by Pixel Trash and East Asia Soft, <clears throat> published by East Asia Soft, released January 24th on Xbox One, Series X and S, Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC for $5.99. Explore a mystical world in a classic top-down style and save the kidnapped prince Saga of the Moon Priestess is a retro top-down action adventure inspired by 8-bit and 16-bit classics. I don't know why I said uh, Saga of the Moon Princess. It's Saga of yeah. the Moon Priestess. <laughs> there you My go. My notes are wrong. Saga of the Moon Priestess. Chris, tell us about it. Yeah, I was about to be like, um, actually, I wish to, uh, I wish to issue a correction. Um, Your game anyways. title's wrong, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's Saga of the Moon Priestess, and actually, I made the exact same mistake myself at one point, so, yeah, don't feel bad. Um... Yeah, so uh this is a this is a game that answers the question what if Zelda was a girl? <laughs> um so this is a uh um, very nice. Oh, thank you. Um this is a extremely like uh almost to the point of like, you know, Pal World maybe getting in trouble kind of uh take on the uh specifically portable Zelda experience. Um you know, uh, particularly the Oracle of Seasons and Ages games. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you play as um, as Sarisa, who is the uh, the the Moon Priestess. She is a uh, a spear wielding warrior of the uh, of the Moon, I suppose, who um, has the nice. unique ability to speak to the moon goddess through uh through statues uh, the moon goddess is uh, somebody who is important as i understand uh she is a goddess anyway um and that's how you save your game by the way is you have to stab these statues with your spear <laughs> i don't know why um so yeah you get into uh into this world and it's very familiar it's top down with your kind of um uh i don't remember what this this perspective is called where the you know the walls kind of fan out around you you know like it's not you know everything's kind of oblique i suppose 
Um, with, but you know, you'll if you've played an eight bit Zelda, then you you recognize this immediately. Uh, except your character does not have a shield; she has a spear, and uh, instead of swinging the spear, she you know pokes things with it. So you do have kind of a a different way of like kind of engaging with this game. But um, once you start going through dungeons. Um, of which there are a, f- a handful. It's I don't think it's a whole lot of dungeons. I didn't beat the game, but uh, looking at the world map, it's it's a little sparse um, on areas and stuff. But uh, yeah, once you start grabbing items, you start to be like, oh, I actually know exactly what this is and how to play it. Uh, you get the power glove in the first you know dungeon where you can lift rocks now. Um, and uh, yeah, at first I was like, okay, well, I mean, this is, you know, it's a tribute, I suppose it's, uh, it's, um, it's stylized after one of the most popular game franchises in the world. It can be forgiven. Wait a minute. It's got the switch hook. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you get the fricking switch hook, which is from specifically, uh, the legend of Zelda Oracle of ages. It's like the hook shot, right? Where you know you uh, you know you sling it across a gap or something, and you know with a hook shot, it would be that you would pull yourself across the gap with the uh, with the hook shot's retractor. Well, the switch shot, the switch hook, sorry, specifically was one where, like, let's say you um, you know you reach out your switch or your um, your hook, and you hook a boulder. Well, instead of pulling you towards the boulder, you swap places with the boulder, and then that was used um, in the game's many puzzles. Um, such a weird thing to just kind of lift from that game. Uh, I also, when I went through the town, I was like, I am pretty sure this old man sprite was just copy-pasted. Um, <laughs> this is like, okay, well, anyway. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's been a while since I've played through the Oracle games, but uh, you definitely know what you're going to get. Uh, when you when you pick up this game and play it, um, apart from that, like I said, that it does have an eight bit style. That's not necessarily a bad thing that you know what you're getting no, into no, no, when you play it. Is yeah, it, yeah. Like, it's, it's I saw it's, this, and as soon as I saw, it, I'm like, I'm dropping six bucks on this because it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does have like some little tells that it's a modern game. For instance, uh, when you use your power glove to pick up a boulder, it it you know suddenly the game's like moving like silky smooth as that boulder you know goes up over your head. You know, it's got it's definitely got a modern engine behind it. Um, it's just like I said, it's heavily stylized to look like you know our um, our classic Game Boy game. Now there is one way in which that's a little bit uh, awkward on um, this particular game and that is uh this game has the um has the zoomed in look of a like a mobile or or game boy game or something like that that's kind of been uh stretched out to the proportions of like a 16:9 screen that is to say it looks like everything is really close up <laughs> um the this isn't as um as noticeable as uh one of the craziest examples of that which is uh the game Dragon Sinker, which started out as a 3DS game, well, as a mobile game, but it was a 3DS game that when they ported it to Switch, they didn't do, they didn't like do anything to kind of um, make the uh, the game work in 16.9, so they just blew it up. They made all the sprites <laughs> super huge, and it looks like you're about hovering over, you know, three feet away from the ground. Um, this has a little bit of that to it, but I'm like, you know, it it's still functional um as far as that goes and the text is like a little bit smaller you know it's it's definitely been 
uh, designed to play on a modern system, but kind of look like an older game. Uh, maybe they just did this for folks with, you know, worse eyesight than mine or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's like I said, you know, you go through dungeons, you solve little puzzles, you beat bosses, uh, you get heart containers and stuff. Um, they change just enough to where, you know, it does have a little bit of its own personality and flavor. Um, you know, but I mean, the the conceit of the game's plot is literally that you're a priestess who is uh, going to rescue a prince instead of a princess. Get it? Uh-huh. That's progress. Uh. Um, so, you know, one can't uh, one can't pick too many straws uh, on this one. But uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Cool. It's six bucks. What do you think? Yeah, for six bucks. I mean, this is uh, this is well crafted enough. Um, the puzzles are interesting. Enemies can be challenging. Um, it's pretty open, although it does very clearly have that. Uh, you know, you need this. Uh, you need. You need. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you need this item to get from this place really to good. this place. Um, but you know, once you get there, it's like you have like two or three things that you can go explore. Sometimes they, it'll even throw like. Uh, t- like a mini dungeon at you disguised as the true dungeon because it doesn't really tell you what's a dungeon and what's just uh, a maze that will maybe get you some rewards. So, yeah, it's worth playing. And six bucks is, a is you know, as a typical of East Asia soft, you know, you get a lot of money f- or you get a lot of game for that small amount of money. Um, they're pretty trustworthy when it comes to that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a buy it. Uh, just know that... <laughs> If the game mysteriously disappears from the eShop one day, um, I could tell you why. So, oh, um, well, let's not speculate that, on things good. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so we'll that is. One more time, real quick. What? So I'm looking for it now because I want to pop up. Saga of the Moon. Saga of the Moon Priestess. Oh, I was looking for Princess. That'll do it. Yeah, I, I, I fucked up earlier. <laughs> we all made that mistake. We've all been there. We've all I been can't there. help it. I'm old and tired. And moon princesses are cool. I mean, we all learned yeah. that. Yeah. Ooh, twenty percent off right now too. So even cheaper. Hey. Yeah, it's five bucks right now. So do it up. But, uh, that is it for this episode. We made it through. Hey. Uh, thanks for coming back after the break, everyone. Love having you here. <laughs> thanks, for having thanks, for, thanks for not running away. Yeah. <laughs> thanks You're for not quitting well. the show. Uh, we were touch and go for a while. No. <laughs> thanks, thanks for not oh, jumping no. out of the open window. Uh, thanks, guys. We, we got to stick yeah. around because next episode, do you know what next episode is? Nobody what? knows. Our 11th anniversary. <gasps> and and I'm excited. We, we have a special intro from our good friend Norg. So stay Aww. tuned for that episode. Uh, but that is it for this one. We're done. Thanks to the three of you for being here, hanging out. Thanks to Tim for coming on, doing his thing. Thanks, uh, we talked about Hell Card, so we're going to play Hell March. How's that? Hey. 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 Some commanding you conquer. Suppose. Uh, does anyone have any final words to end the show? Hell car. <laughs> I'm Hopefully telling you, in April. Oh, yeah. yeah I got to work out those details. But yeah, I think that could happen. I'm hoping to be happen. buying a plane ticket this weekend. I told my boss he's got till Friday. He has not responded to that. So I think I'm good <laughs> to go. I'm pretty sure I'll be like, buying. I'll, I'll have to work like from the hotel room a little bit, but. Oh, wait, we got to sing it. I'll see you at VGM Con. 
Is that the is that the, the jingle? I guess. Go uh, off to a convention. Are they a carpet cleaning service? To yes. Of VGM2, <laughs> where I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna sing with my friends. I'm gonna play video games at a condo. Do, do.